Hi, everyone. Um, we're so excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, we are going to talk about starting and scaling lean startups within the context of a broader company, specifically pulling from our experience at Etsy. So first, we'll do some intros. Uh, my name is Emily Smith. I'm Senior Manager of Social Innovation at Etsy. Uh, hi, I'm Rachna Kumar. I'm a Senior Engineering Manager within Seller Services Group at Etsy. Okay, so uh, here's what we'll talk about. First, we'll start off with an overview of Etsy. I think many of you know Etsy, but we'll dig a little deeper into the details, and then we'll get into the meat of the presentation and talk about building lean startups within a bigger company, and specifically kind of using the lean startup framework and walking through ideas, build, measure, and learn. So first, what is Etsy? Um, I think many of you probably, you think of Etsy, you think of the marketplace, Etsy.com, a place to find quirky gifts or wedding paraphernalia, um, but Etsy is much bigger. Um, we consider Etsy a global commerce, a global, a global creative commerce platform where people around the world can buy, can connect to buy, sell, and make unique products. And our mission is a really big one. Um, so Etsy's mission is to reimagine commerce in a way that builds a more lasting and fulfilling world. So what does that mean? What are we trying to do? Um, Etsy sees a world in which makers and creators can really make a living by pursuing their craft, by pursuing their art, and where buyers can find unique products that really represent them and where buyers and sellers can connect in a real way and actually build a relationship. So this is a sample of a number of our sellers on the platform, very different types of people, all very creative and pursuing their passion. So this is what we call the Etsy empowerment loop. It's a simplified version of our model. Um, it's very se seller-centered. So if you start on that top left corner with the seller, this is someone who is passionate about a craft, who loves making a good, and we want to empower them to make a living doing that. So if you kind of go clockwise, um, we facilitate a transaction where they can make money by selling their craft. And then the buyer going down the loop can find an item that's really unique to them so that hundreds of people on the subway aren't going to be wearing the same thing or it's, it's something that they really want. And then we take a percentage of that transaction and invest that money into more services that can then help that seller expand their business. So just to give you a little context on the numbers, I think lots of people don't realize how big Etsy actually is. Um, so it's 12 years old now. We IPO'd two years ago. Um, and on the platform, we have 1.7 million sellers, uh, a little under 30 million buyers, um, 2.84 billion in annual GMS and uh, 45 million items on the site. As you can see from the numbers Emily just presented, Etsy is not a small startup anymore. We are a mid-sized company with a lot of players in the Etsy ecosystem. The on definition of creative entrepreneurs has expanded in our uh, ecology. So. But to stay lean and to stay efficient, we still need to apply a lot of startup ethos within Etsy, and we'll talk more about how we kind of achieve that as we go along the way. 
Okay, so now we'll get into the meat of the presentation as Emily mentioned, like applying the lean startup methodology framework within the context of a larger company and within specifically within Etsy. So a lot of you should be familiar with this slide. This is um, you know, the methodology of lean startup where we'll talk about how we kind of build, measure, and learn within uh, Etsy and and we'll give examples and best practices along the way of what we have discovered doing this multiple times. So these are some of uh, the startup ideas within Etsy. So Etsy Studio, Etsy Wholesale, Manufacturing Pattern. Like Studio is a um, uh, new craft, ma craft marketplace at Etsy and uh, Etsy Wholesale is a platform which connects Etsy sellers with brick and mortar retailers, Etsy Manufacturing, connects Etsy sellers with small batch manufacturers, and Patterners enables sellers to create their own custom websites. Most of these new product ideas at Etsy originate um, trying to solve a problem for either other sellers or buyers. But um, these are kind of different from the core marketplace at Etsy because we are mostly, uh, as from the examples that I gave you, these try to capture a new uh, markets, market, a new segment, a new kind of entrepreneurs uh, to Etsy. For example, manufacturers, like we were targeting small batch manufacturers, and with Etsy Wholesale, we were targeting brick and mortar retail stores. So these are like, we try to function like startups within Etsy. And when you, so you're beyond the idea phase now, like, okay, you all have a great idea, but how do you kind of get started? What is the first step that you need to you know, take to make this a success within the context of a larger company? I think the important part to remember is to treat it like a real startup. If you were starting this with your own money or a VC funded money or asking for funding from the outside world, however you treat it, you need to do the same within a larger company. Uh, a good uh, starting point is to have a really concrete business plan. And within that business plan, to be really clear about what the vision is, goal is, and outcome is, and mostly what are the resources required to make this happen. So this not only shows that you know, you've done your due diligence, but also when you kind of take this presentation and business plan across the company to different sponsors and stakeholders, this also helps build trust. And you'll kind of go back and refer to this business plan along the way as and when you build and measure the product. And so is that really enough? Is just building the business plan really enough? And getting a buy-in into that really enough? That's just the starting point. What you need to do after that and throughout the process is be your own obsessive advocate about why you're trying to do this, what will be the outcome, and why is this really important for the company. Large companies are matrixed. People change, leaders change. That's how large companies operate. Whether you'll realize it or not, a lot of teams across the company, like from engineers to designers, researchers, data, PR, cons, legal, Everyone needs to prioritize the work that you are trying to do. And for that, you really need to convince them why this is important and have a real clear story and understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. So once, there are a lot of different ways to kind of do this, that is be your own obsessive advocate. But some of the things that work for us so far is, um, you know, you can have lunch and learns, like lot of presentations within the company and also 
you can get cool swag. I, you know, everyone likes like a nice hoodie or nice sticker bag, whatever you can get, and that also kind of encourages people and it will be in their memory that, you know, when people wear stuff and walk around. And also one of the cool things we did was when Emily and I were working on manufacturing, we actually got a lot of Etsy admin to the Brooklyn Navy Yard where there are a lot of, we're standing right here, and there are a lot of small batch manufacturers here. And you can, because it's a new industry and it's hard for people to understand how the industry works. So there are a lot of things you can do. We've just provided some of the tips here. So once you're past this phase, this is the exciting part where you're actually trying to build the stuff. I'm, I always get the most excited about this because I'm an engineer. But what you need to do at this point is, once you're past the idea phase, is build a quick MVP. To build a quick MVP, you mostly need two things. Well, the first one is a good tech stack, and the second one is a great team. And how do you go about doing with this within a big company? We'll start with the tech stack. As you know, Etsy has like an amazing set of engineers. We also have great infrastructure and technology available. At the outset, it looks like, oh, you already have everything. What do you need to do? But the challenge is, but is what we already have at Etsy the right solution for what the new product that you're trying to build? I can give you an example. Etsy was primarily built for buyers and sellers and you know, them finding the right product and transacting on that. But as the Etsy ecosystem grew, as and when we were trying to add target new markets, either like manufacturing or wholesale, sometimes the stack was not actually built for that. And at that point, if you want to rebuild the whole architecture, it's a significant amount of time and also a lot of you know, political will to make that happen. If you're just trying to build a quick MVP and test whether this product will work or not, maybe re redoing the architecture sometimes is not the best solution. So what you kind of need to do is, is like the first step is start with research. In the research part, you need to decide what you want to leverage that already exists and what you need to like hack quickly because if you want to get to MAP in three, four months, you need to be clear about that. The next step after that is to kind of, once you're part of the research is to make sure it's reviewed. There are so many brilliant senior engineers across the company, have architecture reviews, have operational reviews, Make sure you get a green light from all the experts across the company. And you have to kind of keep repeating this phase as and when you go along. It's not like you have a perfect solution. But a generic advice I have for most you know, tech companies who are trying to do this is as much as possible to build like generic APIs, which can be plugged into any different situation and not something very specific. Because in the long term, you don't know exactly what direction you're heading to towards. So once you're past that phase, <laughs> this is the exciting one where you're trying to build a great team, the right team for you. If you have like a thousand uh, people working at the company, not all of them are the right fit for your team. Because you really need someone who has like a startup mindset within a larger company who are willing to take the risks and who are like very comfortable with uncertainty in general. You need to find the right set of people and always try to start with a small team where it's looking like the initial investment is not significantly high. Once you get past the MVP phase, once you can prove that the solution is working, you can you know, expand the team, have more people on the team. But at the same time, it's also super important to remember to be very clear about what you're trying to accomplish in the MVP because the company is large. There are a lot of people who give you a lot of feedback. They want you to constantly change things. It's important to say not now, and we'll try to do this after the MVP and kind of reason with it. 
And if you even change the timelines, be very transparent about why you changed it from the get-go. And as long as you stay focused and you can have a great team, I think the building part is the most exciting part of it. And Emily will talk more about how we measure and how we learn from that. Yes. So as a business person, not an engineer, I like the measure part. Um, so we'll explain now that you've built it, what are we measuring and what are we really looking at? So I think this chart should be very familiar to most of you. It's kind of that hockey stick growth chart that we're all kind of after. Uh, the lines on here represent Airbnb and Dropbox's growth. And I think the key things to note here is that there's always a significant period of time when you're not growing that much before you hit that hockey stick growth. And the challenge in a big company is how do you continue to get people to invest, get leadership to invest in this idea year after year in order to achieve that growth. And it's especially hard in a big company because the opportunity cost is so high. So if you have six engineers working on a startup within a big company that's getting a couple hundred users a day on the smaller startup, and that's um, those engineers could be working on the core product that's getting millions of dollars a day. It's, it's kind of a big trade-off. So um, two things to keep in mind here. One is to focus your initial success metrics around incremental growth and really frame it like that from the start. When you launch your MVP, you should be looking at what is the percent change day after day, month after month, and really communicate that to leadership and set the expectations um, that that is what success will be measured on. Because it's comparing apples to oranges if you're comparing 100 users to the millions of users that I put on that slide before. The second thing is to really emphasize that long-term gain. That's something that has to be communicated over and over, that this is a big bet for the company, and they have to take risk if they want to see reward. And you need to be able to clearly articulate what that gain is going to be and how much it's going to be. Even if it's five or 10 years out, have that business model and be able to communicate that with the data that you're getting. So then what are we learning? As we're launching and seeing data, what are we learning from this? So this is kind of just some standard assessment questions. When you launch any MVP, what's working, what's not, what needs to change, what is this data informing? Um, when you're doing this in the context of a, of a big company, be transparent about what you're learning. That's so important. Develop that trust to know, to be open about what you're seeing and what you need to change. And the important thing here is to then go back and validate your initial assumptions because you're gonna need to continue to make that case for that long-term investment. And if, you're, if the data you're getting is not consistent with the assumptions in your original model, it'll undermine your credibility and you really need to be able to accurately and confidently predict that long-term long um, revenue potential. And then we get to the age-old question of preserve or pivot. Um, you have to figure this out at some point in a startup within a big company also. And it's a little bit different um, when you're an independent startup versus within a big company. Um, because when you're in a big company, what you really need to consider 
is what the core, what the needs of your core customer of the bigger company is. And if you're changing or pivoting, will that solution continue to advance that customer's needs? Um, so an example of this is at Etsy, our core customer is our sellers. We build solutions to meet the needs of our sellers. On Etsy manufacturing, for example, as we learn more about the industry, there is a ton of opportunity to help the manufacturing industry and help manufacturers also, like back office operations, things like that. If we were an independent startup, we could have pivoted a number of ways where maybe we have help needs that um, address manufacturers that might be a bigger business opportunity. But for Etsy, it really doesn't align with the core strategy. It wouldn't have advanced that core need of our sellers. So we really have to look at the pivot options with that in mind. Because um, if we deviate too far from that core strategy, eventually it wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to invest. We wouldn't be able to, um, Etsy wouldn't want to invest in that long term. Um, so really keep the core customer in, in mind as you're evaluating those pivot opportunities. And that's it. Thanks so much. Thank you.